This morning we read from 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. It's a chapter of scripture we're accustomed to hearing all or parts of at weddings or in the context of romantic love. I suspect that if you made your way to the Valentine's cards section and and looked at the Christian cards, that you would see a lot of 1 Corinthians 13 there in that section. And I think that's a good starting place for us. I think it's okay to start with love in that way. But we don't just leave 1 Corinthians 13 there. Because this is a passage that that though we use it around couples who choose to share life together, um, for a Christian to seek to follow Jesus faithfully and to bless others and to experience and embody peace and change the world, uh, love has to be more than just a sentimental thing. If love is real, it does have the power to bless and change and shape the world. And it starts there. But it should reach into every relationship that we have. Let's consider that as we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But prophecies, they will end And for tongues they will cease. As as for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we shall see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, and then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In preparing this sermon, I realized that I have probably preached on this passage more than any other passage I've ever preached. Because I've probably preached on it at like more than 50 weddings. And it's reasonable to think that after you've read a passage and preached on it 50 or so times, the way you think about it comes to grow and change. And so in that first 
sermon I had with a couple at the altar uh, speaking about 1 Corinthians 13. It was a start. But hopefully, as you've heard from the children's sermon already, it's not where we finish. Now, when we read 1 Corinthians 13, it, it, it's worth remarking where this passage fits within the, within the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. In chapter 12, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about speaking in tongues, and then he provides this image of the body of Christ. An image where one body part is not more important or has not more value than another. Love doesn't elevate one gift or part over another gift or part of the body. Then in chapter 14, Paul writes about prophecy and tongues and both their value and their dangers. And he reminds us, both here and then on in 14, that the earthly expressions of gifts, of knowledge, of of the Spirit of God, those earthly expressions will cease and pass away. But faith and hope and love will remain. And what will remain is that language of love. Now, in a way, chapter 13 does feel like an aside or a reprieve or or a detour from all the other parts of the end of 1 Corinthians. And the way we read it, when we just kind of lift it up out of 1 Corinthians, can make it seem like it's something else. But if it is something else, it is that it is the glue that holds everything together. This description of love holds all the chapters around it together in a meaningful way, in an important way, because love is the most necessary trait to enable a community to be the body of Christ. And so though these words make for a nice wedding sermon, as two seek to become one, they demand something of all of us as spouses, as friends, as parents, as children, as brothers and sisters. These words demand that if we're going to love, we are going to need patience and kindness. We will eschew pettiness and jealousy. When we love, we don't just bail on something or someone that doesn't always go our way. Because... Rather, through love, we bear all things, believe all things, and hope all things. If we love, we actively engage in little practices of life and relationships that that make true expressions of love. And that requires patience. We cannot say we love if we are not patient with one another. We must remember that we are not patient when everything goes the way we want it to go. Because when everything goes the way we want it to go, it doesn't require patience. And well, if we are only kind to those who are kind to us, we're reminded of Jesus who says, I tell you to love your enemies. Anybody can love their friends. Even your enemies love their friends. 
And if we love, we don't gossip. We don't boast. We cease to be resentful. We work on that. And, and we get rid of our jealousy and we don't lie because to love is not to engage in those things even when everyone else around us is. Because love builds up. Love hopes. Love is supportive and caring and, and positively forward-looking in ways that seem to defy that which might else otherwise be around you elsewhere. Love believes that by loving we help others to love. Love believes that when we love first, no matter what the actions or posture of another might be, we still are called to love because love remains and doesn't fail. You know, a whole bunch of easy stuff like that. Now, if you'll let me change gears for just a moment. When I think about love, there is a line from a song that I think of. It's from a band called Mumford and & Sons, and you may or may not know them. It's not important whether you do or not. But they sing a song, and they say, Love will not betray you, dismay you, or enslave you. It will set you free to be more like the man you were meant to be. I've come to disagree with the first part of that line, but the second one I think is really important. And when I use it in a wedding, I use it to flip a narrative. Because you see, sometimes when we think about love with one another, especially when you think about the narrative around a groom getting tied down to the old ball and chain, the last thing you think of is love being that which helps you be more like the man or woman you were meant to be. Yet, love does set us free to be more like the man or woman we were meant to be. Love helps us to experience the, the, the power of who God created us to be. Love helps make us who we are. Real love doesn't cause us to subvert ourselves into something else or to something less. It uplifts us into being the best version of ourselves. And, and, and sure, it's hard when your best friend falls in love romantically with someone because you don't get to spend as much time with them. But hopefully it also means that they become a better version of who they are because of the love they now experience. And, and that love mustn't remain only in romantic relationships. Because not everybody is in a romantic relationship. But, excuse me. But the love that makes us more of who we are called to be is love that comes from God. It's the kind of love that is at the heart of Christian community. And it's, it's what Paul is describing as present, as the glue that holds the body of Christ together. It loves and makes us better by bringing us together and making us who we are together in ways that are better than who we can be alone and on our own. 
So love makes us more of who we are created to be, not less. Love helps us to embrace and, and understand more fully that which God has done for and with and through us. Love is the fuel that helps us get to where God wants us to go and who God wants us to be. And so love is inspirational and aspirational. It's wonderful and fulfilling. It's devoted and, and it's committed And in one of the greatest understatements of all time, the Beatles sang, love is all you need. And yes, it is. Because what we need are relationships and friendships and commitments and people around us who love us in ways that endure and don't fail. And this is the kind of love I'm interested in. This is the kind of love the world needs. This is the kind of love I hope you are interested in as well. Of course, to quote Ronnie Millsaps, we often look for love in all the wrong places. And the narrative of love in the broader culture is one that is maybe a lot of the wrong places. Think of Cinderella and her mysterious glass slipper. Or Sleeping Beauty and that elusive prince who finally comes around at the end. I think. I don't remember that one as well. Think of Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail or that silly John Cusack film Serendipity or think of the Hallmark movies and the Lifetime movies all about a magical love that if we think about it are not at all what's going on in a real marriage or what it would really take to be the body of Christ. Because love is no good if it's only magical. If love is simply serendipitous, why would tell us that love needs to be patient and kind? If love doesn't need to watch out for jealousy and boastfulness and just needs to wait for a magic spark, well, how do we do do it? And if love is always only reduced to and they lived happily ever after, Why would it need to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things? In fact, in order to live happily ever after, we somehow find that we must bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure some things that maybe wouldn't be our preference. It's almost as if Paul knew love takes more than magic. And so in a song littered with song lyrics, I share one more from another folksy band that you may or may not know called The Head and the Heart. In one of their love songs, they say, You're in my soul now. You've got to waste away with me. My mind's made up. I'm staying here with you. There's no use knowing which way the wind is blowing. My mind's made up. I'm doing this with you. Those lines may not be as impactful on you at as they are on me, because they're not your favorite band. But they, they point to the decision to stick together through thick and thin, for better and for worse. And what I think is clear is that if we were perfect, we wouldn't need to love. But because we're not, we're going to need to be kind. If everything were easy, we wouldn't need Paul's help to do it well. And he wouldn't have had to write about it, but he did. 
Paul writes, and it makes me think that if love were easy, if if love were magical and serendipitous and always simple, I wouldn't have to be so patient all the time. And clearly, to Paul, if we're going to love, we're going to have to endure. Not in a boastful, proud, or rejoicing sort of way. And so you see, I think there's a good starting point with thinking about love romantically. But I think it's also important for us not to leave it there, but let it grow so that we can remember that love will be messy because people are not perfect. And that movies are intended to aspire, inspire us and help us to escape. They don't always describe real life. And so if love is love, it might test our patience. Love may actually, maybe unintentionally, betray us. But the way we know it's love is that we want to forgive and we want to try again. We remember that we're not perfect. And so we choose to forgive. And we choose to move beyond instances of divisiveness and pettiness. And we come to realize that if we just turned our backs on every time anyone did something that rubbed us the wrong way, we would be alone. And that's not about having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's about being alone without any friends. And every day, every single day, we're tempted to think that our ways, our views, our ideas, and our way of standing in the world is the best. And you might be right. But proving that you are is not love. It's the opposite. Because love finds a way to bear all things with one another. Love means sticking together and seeking kindness and joy and hope because there's something bigger we're seeking. And love is remembering and actively forgiving one another. Because that's a part of what God's forgiveness to us is all about. Just as they have done wrong, so have we. And just as we have been forgiven, so too we forgive. And when we can cultivate that kind of love for one another, it will change our lives, our congregation, our community, and ultimately, I hope, the world. I'm still naive enough, young enough to believe that. To believe that if if by embodying forgiveness that is rooted in love, if that can help us be the people God's created us to be, then we can experience God more fully and we can incarnate God's love in this world more powerfully. This is love. It's not easy, but it's what we're called to do. It's all we need. close with a saying you never know you have a marriage until you survived your first fight I share that with couples when we start talking about their wedding because you know when you're dating you can always bail or you can always avoid a fight but when you're in it you know if we've gotten through a fight and we've gotten back together maybe there's something there 
And I think that's not just true for marriages and relationships, but like I told the children down here in front, I think it's through, true for all of our relationships. You don't know whether you're in it for the long haul until you've survived a disagreement and moved forward together, which is what comes from love. All around us, as we flip through our phones and our our newspapers and we watch the news and consider political opinion and partisan positions, everywhere we're being pushed to rush away from those who are different from us and to instinctively hold close to those who might make us feel most safe. But I'm wondering if that's what the kingdom of God is about. I'm not sure that Jesus is the best example when it comes to that because he did manage to engage charitably with those he disagreed with. He didn't always shun and chastise. And he didn't set up the body of Christ as a place where everybody came to agree on everything, only that we came to agree on the most important thing, that Jesus is Lord. Which maybe means that that the church and and our lives and the, the places where we engage in love are the places that sometimes are full of the messiness of life and not just the sanctuaries of retreat where we're protected from difference. Paul says love is patient and is kind. It is not jealous or boastful. It is not proud and it keeps no record of wrong. I think we must remember that. Not just because when we find those who are patient and kind with us, we know we've found someone who loves us, but because when we're called to love, it means sticking together, being with God's people together, because we're willing to do the same. We are patient and kind with those who maybe sometimes we would rather not be. We are kind when it would be easier to be unkind, And we don't fail even when it would be easier to throw in the towel. I wish I could tell you a better story about that, but I suspect if you let your mind wander, you can think of one on your own. And so I close with this is love. This is what we are called to. And I pray that God will give us the courage to embody this kind of love. Starting now. Starting today. Will you pray with me? Gracious, eternal, and loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have. We give you thanks for your presence with us. And Lord, as difficult as it may be to love the way you call us to, Lord, we give you thanks for this call to love. Because even though it's, it's going to be hard for us, we remember that this is the love you embodied when you gave us your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, Lord, today... As we think about love, help us to consider the love that Jesus gave us. Grant us wisdom and grant us courage to embody love that way, starting right now, today. This is our prayer. We ask it in your name. Amen.